And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Desperately Seeking Entertainment. So glad you're joining us. I'm Chris Peterson, one of your hosts. Join with me as always is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? We're here to dissect entertainment and go crazy over the airwaves of the interwebs. And joining us for the second time is Robert Larson. What's up, Bobby? Oh, hey, guys. Uh, Fancy meeting you here. (laughs) Thanks for having me back. Our pleasure. I mean, how could we not? How could we not after the first episode? So, well, you know, that's what I was thinking too. And you know, my my Tinder date she canceled the night, so my schedule freed up. Oh, sweet! Did she she swiped she swiped left though, right? I didn't say it was a she. <laughs> oh, I've nice. been lonely. Even better. Even better. All right, folks. Well, if this is your first time joining us, welcome, welcome. Uh, on this podcast, what we like to do is bring interesting stories, factoids, news, whatever it may be, uh, in the world of entertainment to this podcast, talk about it. But here's the kicker. None of us know exactly what we're bringing to the table. So it's genuine surprise, genuine reaction, the whole nine yards. Uh, So it could go in a multitude of different directions, and especially with Mr. Larson on the podcast today. Good Lord, I can't imagine what he's bringing. So let's not even, let's not beat around the bush. Bobby, what's your first pick this week, my friend? My first pick is, um, it enlightens me, it, it saddens me. It gives me joy. Uh, it gives me everything. Because there's two sides of this story, and I want your guys' side of the story. Um, I have seen every single Marvel and DC movie there has been. Uh, Marvel wins that, in, in, in my opinion. And there has been a couple directors of some older movies that uh, they did not like Marvel movies in general. They think they are garbage. And there was a couple people that came there to defense, and kind of people are 50 50. Uh, the first one is that Francis Ford Coppola, he came out and said that Marvel movies are garbage. And then on top of that, Martin Scorsese also said it. And I don't agree with them. They're calling them not cinema, not real movies. They shouldn't be in theaters. And James Gunn came out, I believe, today or yesterday, and he defended it. Uh, and he compared them to older movies, that um, older westerns and and war movies, and people those days didn't see those as good movies, and they thought th- those were garbage. So it's just all people's opinions, and I want to know what you guys have to say about Marvel movies, because I love them. I will see everything they make. Uh, they already have my money. Uh, I'm gonna donate my my organs to Disney when I die. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you guys think? Do you think they're they're cinema movies? Do you think they should be in theater? Do you think that Disney Plus will will just start cleaning up everything and and kill movie theaters? Because it do, it doesn't seem like movies are going to be in theaters anymore. At, at least not the ones that people really want to see. Because Will Smith used to be the the big draw, and his latest movie has has been bombing because nobody wants to go. So what what do you guys think, Chris? Well, you know. I find it a little bit hypocritical that people like Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese would feel this way about a genre of film or films that are 
bucking the system in a way because they themselves were considered, you know, system buckers, I guess you could say back in the day. Um, I mean, these guys famously, along with, you know, other um, filmmakers like Brian De Palma and George Lucas um, and Spielberg, like they were considered like the cowboys of their era and, and really changed the game entirely. And, you know, it, it just, I find it ironic that these guys are now saying that like, they're kind of taking that that very old school snobby thing of saying that, you know, this is in cinema, blah blah blah. You know, it's it's at you know, there's art, there's entertainment. Marvel films, I think, are both, and they've done both very well. Um, I don't think either of these directors, you know, <laughs> famously, they haven't really directed anything like this. I guess you could say. Um, so I just I just find it ironic that they're 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 saying these things because I mean you know they were the ones that that bucked the system to begin with. Ben, what do you think? Uh, yeah, you know what? Like, to uh, I agree, and it's kind of a ridiculous statement. It almost makes you want to say it's ridiculous, and it almost questions makes you want to question why they are saying it. Like Bobby said, you know maybe they're trying to rally against this conglomerate movie machine called Disney that's just buying up all the properties. Maybe they're just trying to fight for the right to make movies and stuff like that. To, you know, because I just saw a preview, you know, speaking of the Will Smith movie that didn't do well. And then you see the new, um, it's called like Brooklyn Forever or something like that with Edward Norton that's coming out. Oh, It looks yeah, really yeah. good. I mean, it looks fine, but it's coming out to theaters. And I could just tell, I could tell you right now it's not going to do well because it's not a Marvel blockbuster right. <laughs> or some crazy horror movie. It's a weird release date for it. I mean, it looks fine. You know, Ed Norton's a great actor and everything. It's just okay. Um, but maybe it's the last kind of stand of these directors to kind of make a stance against the stuff. I, it's just, I don't think it's the right move. Because if you don't appreciate the Marvel movies, like, for what they are, if you don't like superhero, superhero movies, that's fine. But you can't disagree that they're well-made films. Like... There's a lot of work that goes into them. There's a lot of effort and writing and directing and acting like all around. It's just, I, I don't understand if that's not a film, then what is in their perspective? So right. my question to you guys, why do you think they're saying this stuff? Do you think, do you have a conspiracy theory? Like I think they're trying to rally against a big corporation just buying up movies. And that's probably the overt thing. Is there another kind of ulterior motive or something? I have an opinion. Yeah. Uh, and it's the only one that counts, right? Because <laughs> uh, I see these guys, these directors, these older directors, as uh, as you know, one of our parents that will come along and they'll watch. Um, they'll start with Iron Man three, and they'll have you know homages to their first couple Iron Mans and the first Avengers. And if you don't watch those first movies, you won't understand it. And for all of us that have watched them, we've we've seen you know all twenty movies over ten years. So every time I, I watch Endgame, I get I get the chills every time every time Captain uh, America grabs grabs uh, Molnir there, and every time Tony Stark says I am Iron Man, I think they might have just watched a couple movies and they maybe watched them out of context and they see them as just uh, money grabbers. That, that that's my opinion. There there's somebody's grandpa that comes into the movie and says I don't understand. Yeah, we're the people who canceled Star Trek. <laughs> Turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think chris yeah i think that's i think bobby nailed it on the head i think you know it's it's definitely a, a generational thing um i think i also 
also think it's a jealousy thing. I mean, let's be honest, with the exception, I mean, the, sure, like both of these directors have directed iconic films, but I don't think either of them have ever seen, <clears throat> excuse me, the financial reward, I guess you could say, that these Marvel films are are getting, so to speak. Uh, as brilliant as The Godfather is and, you know, Goodfellas and Raging Bull and all these others, you know, commercially, uh, they just, they, they never have reached that. So, um, I don't know. I think, I think it's a generational thing. I also, you know, because they're such good friends with George Lucas, I think, you know, the fact that Lucas kind of got fleeced on this Star Wars deal with Disney has a lot to do with it as well. Uh, I mean, he got fleeced. I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's a good call too. And remember that, that little thing I talked about Comic-Con last week about that fan just saying, you know, Star, Star Wars was in, in, uh, in like the popular mainstream. Now Star Trek is kind of slowly coming back. What do you guys think? And there is some sort of rally against that. And there is that boys club from UFC, USC film school from back in the day. So it's USC, right? That they all went to. Yeah. 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 They all went to USC. So, um, yeah. I mean, and it's, it, it just, I think it's very interesting that that generation is now, I mean, and, but what, what makes it weird for me is that they're such good friends with George, not only George Lucas, but Steven Spielberg, who's known for these blockbuster films. So it's like if, if Marvel films aren't cinema, then is Indiana Jones cinema? I mean, is yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I'd like to ask James Cameron after making these five Avatar movies what his opinion is. Right. I'm a I'm gonna call him tomorrow. I'll ask him. You, yeah, you, I mean, you got gonna you'll call it first name basis for them. So <laughs> there you go. Good stuff, though. Ben, what do you got for your first pick this week, my friend? Uh, my first pick. I want to talk about uh, Bobby and I went to this amazing kind of movie slash. <laughs> band experience at the palace theater we went and saw the band goblin and uh it is uh claudio sabetti goblin and he is the composer of all the dario argento movies from the late 70s these crazy horror movies he mm. did uh music for the movie demons and dawn of the dead so a lot of george romero movies and dario argento movies and we went to see this and we saw profundo rosso <laughs> aka deep red and the movie's dubbed in English, and they take out the score. So I, I reported that I went to go see uh, Jan, John Williams at Tanglewood, which was awesome. So, you know, then they showed um, Star Wars and uh, Saving Private Ryan and all those other classic movies. Then to see this, it still is amazing. If anyone is listening to this and something comes around in your area like this, it is something to be – I mean – Listen, Deep Red is definitely not my favorite uh, Dario Argento movie. It, it, it's very slow movie uh, in parts, <laughs> but the gore scenes and the slashing scenes are next to none in late 70s horror movies. And it's something, you know, it's it's right around Halloween. It gets you into it. And when that band hits, it is awesome. You got double bass drum. You got bass. You got like uh, it just the band itself is amazing. And if you've never experienced a movie set to live music it's something to be held and uh the beyond is coming to the most in syracuse uh with its composer too it's a lucio fulci movie and i know i'm getting like kind of deep into the folds of like geeky horror movies but these movies are so great on like a cult level there's tons of gore uh bobby what was your take of the experience what was your take of the night uh well first of all the guitar player for the goblins had my attention I'll say I was at full attention, uh, but the bass player. Oh yeah, 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 the bass player. Yeah, yeah. she was rocking. Uh, but 
I've never seen anything. I've never even heard of anything like that. And I've told a few friends about it, and they were they, they were wishing they they could go, and they haven't heard of anything like this. And you know, if we didn't follow them on, on Facebook or something, we wouldn't have even heard about it. And I was just looking on Facebook today. There's a a band doing the the soundtrack to Nosferatu, uh, a shorter version of it coming out in a couple of weeks. But the the movie itself was. Uh, it was interesting. I, I'm sure. I, I don't know what was going on, um, <laughs> but man, when when the the murder scenes or something kick in and the band starts playing, everyone stands at the. Well, Ben was standing straight up. And I was on the front of my seat, and it was just an amazing experience. If there's can be music to anything really, besides just going watching a band play twenty songs, but if you put up to a movie to it, it it's ten times better. Highly impressed. Yeah. And it was awesome. And like the band, they signed stuff afterwards and you could go meet them, but they didn't speak a lick of English. It was, they were like, they could barely say thank you. Authentic. Was, yeah. Straight from Italy. And this was like crazy. And like their next show is October 31st in Berlin, Germany. So we've, I just felt oh, like wow. honored for them to even roll into Syracuse, New York. It was crazy. So if you ever see Goblin coming to a theater near you and they've, they've toured with Suspiria before. And they usually do like Austin and L.A. and that part of the country. But just check it out. Chris, have you ever gone to something like that? No. And it sounds like an amazing experience. It really does. Um, and I should because, I mean, there there are a lot of those opportunities um, that come up you know, in the New York City area. So it's, it really is foolish for me not to do it. But uh, it sounds like an awesome experience. It really does. Yeah, dude. And, uh, well, November 22nd. I got one of the greatest horror movies of all time, The Beyond, coming to that uh, the same area. So you're cordially invited to come up and stay and check it out <laughs> with us. Nice, can't wait, can't wait. Yeah, yeah what is the movie they played right after? What was? Oh, and then oh oh Schneikies, and then they played uh, this movie Demons. Oh yeah, double feature. Yeah, which is this great. I I don't know. So you know, there's I I'm not gonna say that. Deep Red is a little more classier. It's a little more Hitchcockier. So it's a little more <laughs> oh, yeah. mystery. Okay. Um, where Demons is this crazy, I don't know. Were they, they demons or like were they zombies? Zombies. I, I, I. It's hard to say with the movie Demons. I mean, the movie's called Demons. So, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, so, but like, I'm going to say that Demons is like a great flick and to see live. But check out Demons and check out. Uh, Deep Red and all the Dario Argento movies. If you've never gotten into them, I would say that Suspiria is the way to go. You know what I mean? When I introduce people to that movie and that world, it's awesome. Uh, but the they call them giallos, and that's like Italian for yellow, uh, because all the Italian like uh, horror comics came in yellow. It's it's a very geeky thing for me to say. But uh, this is a kind of a subset of movies, but it's it's all about watching. Um, a live band in front of a movie, go check it out. Great stuff. And on a side note of that, the second movie they showed was at 11 o'clock. There was no band playing this. They were just showing the movie. It starts at about 11. Ben was highly uh, interested in staying for it. And uh, my buddy and I stepped out and we came back. And uh, Mr. Ben Frawley, who was so excited to see this movie, we walk in and he's asleep. Ah. Asleep. Snoring. (laughs) 
snoring and all the eight other people in the theater could hear him. I'm denying that. I'm dying. <laughs> I got you on camera, but no. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. It was a long it. day, but well worth it. Amazing. Amazing. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So for my pick this week, uh, first pick. Um, so Terminator Dark Fate is coming out soon. The latest yeah. in the many installments, but this is apparently a reboot and resetting the timeline. And I don't know. Anyway, um, they're starting to uh, do secret screenings of the film, not for critics, but just for straight up fans. Like you think you're going to go see one movie and they're like, Hey, by the way, it's, you're watching Terminator dark fate tonight. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if that's a pleasant surprise or a negative surprise, but um, the, the movie, the, the reactions it's getting are actually very, very strong. I mean, people are putting out on Twitter, like, this is the Terminator movie that you've been waiting for. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's a solid reboot. It's entertaining. It's, it's a return to form, so to speak. Um, you know, th what made this movie so buzzworthy was it was being, you know, directed by the same guy who did Deadpool. Uh, it was actually produced directly by James Cameron with his exact apparently his input. So your good friend, James Cameron, Bobby, um, right. involved in this. Him. Exactly. So I got to ask you boys, are you excited? I mean, given the news that this is getting positive fan reaction so far, um, are you excited about a Terminator dark, dark a movie? Are you, are you planning on seeing a Terminator movie? Uh, ben, let me start with you. All right. So I got, I got some things to say. Uh, <laughs> it's funny you ask this because we just uh, bought. So last night, Bobby came over for football. And we bought an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> where they got a future screening of Thundergun Express 4 with Dolph Lundgren. Thunder, what was what was the end of it? Thundergun. Oh, Maximum Cool. Maximum Cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thundergun Express 4, Maximum Cool, where they're rebooting the series and they're killing off Dolph and his dong on screen. Give me the dong. <laughs> Give me the dong. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen that episode, it came out a couple weeks ago. It's so great. And they're, they're a secret test screening inside of the movie. It's gotta be a riff on this. I, I don't know. And mm -hmm. it's something to be said about an older kind of movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger being rebooted with like a newer cast, trying to revitalize the franchise, yada, yada, yada. We've seen this so many times trying to revitalize and I revitalize an IP. Uh, we saw that with uh, Terminator Genesis, which wasn't a half-bad movie. Um, really cool concept how they went back and tried to kill the original Terminator like right off the bat. Really kind of neat. Um, but then they kind of didn't – the third act of that movie kind of falls apart. Uh, so, I don't know. That's my thoughts on it, Chris. Just kind of a money grab. Bobby, what do you got? Well, uh, I like the first one. second one was obviously amazing. Uh, the one with Christian Bale I really liked because it wasn't much of a – follow the same rules of Terminator. Yeah. Uh, Genesis, I lost interest because of the previews. They gave everything away in the twists. Uh, and then the other ones, I don't even remember. But if there was ever a movie for that reverse CGI aging, I would rather see Schwarzenegger as like the 80s bodybuilder version opposed to gray hair and wrinkles it mm. that throws me off because that christian bale movie when he's towards the end and he's running through the factory and they come across you know the old schwarzenegger the t-100s yeah yeah nerd uh it was amazing <laughs> uh i really like the way he looked in that one and if this was more like that one uh i i think that would be amazing but you can't go wrong with linda hamilton and james cameron and 
was Tim, uh, forgot the director. Tim Miller. Tim Miller, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so all the pieces are there. Uh, I just hope it comes together. I, I'll probably go see it, but on like a Thursday afternoon, if there's nothing going on and it's raining out, and if if, uh, if I have a couple bucks. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it really... I really felt like this was the franchise's last chance. Like if, if you can't make this work with all these pieces together, then it's just never going to work again. And you should just, just let it die and not do anything with it for another 20 to 30 years. But I mean, if this, you know, according to Cameron, this is supposed to launch a brand new trilogy. So, mm. I mean, it's one that's of those, like, like do, you, do you tempt that, fate? I guess that's like rebooting Wolverine. I mean, I guess you could do it, but you know it's it's no Hugh Jackman, it's no Schwarzenegger. It's not it's not going to be the same. It's it's not going to have the same feeling. It's just going to be another like you just said money grabber. And, uh, this is some guy in a suit. <laughs> I can see a zipper. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, I, I've heard good things about this too. I heard the action is like no other movie, and it's nonstop. But there was a part in the preview where they're jumping out of a plane and holding on to a piece of cargo and shooting a gun. And some of that's just a little too over the top. I want my action realistic. Right. Yeah, like the bank safe coming out of a bank at the end of Fast Five. Yeah, getting pulled by two cars on a bridge. Yeah. You know, I've seen that happen. I saw it. I know a guy. I'm not a city. Uh, no, uh, but you know what? You know what's a great way to revitalize this series that they've never done, they've never tried, is... Um, now, say what you will about the Alien vs. Predator series, but the omnibuses of comic books I have, you know, Alien vs. Predator mm-hmm. and um, the straight standalone Predator and standalone Terminator and Aliens, um, there is a whole franchise of comic books where the Terminators fight Predators and Aliens. That is something we've never seen on film. They're all mostly Fox properties. Why not combine all three of those? I'm going to see Terminator vs. Alien vs. Predator. Wow. Wow. Uh, you know, pay me a million bucks right now because who's going to see that movie? And we're talking about a multi-layered universe where the rules are established, where you can make a giant kind of cinematic universe just like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know how they tried to launch that whole stupid uh, DC horror cinematic universe and it was terrible with the whole mm. mummy Tom movie? Bruce. Yeah. But here you are. You already have established – you know, even with Prometheus and its problems and the the one after that, and then, you know, the a- AVP movies that were just, you know, less than good. But still, you have these established rules. You have these established creatures. Why not break that off? Mm. That's what I'm saying. Well, you know how I know that would work, Ben? Why? Because I've seen something like that. What is that? It was called Freddy versus Jason. And it was amazing. And it was goddamn amazing. <laughs> For how it bad good. it was, it was amazingly yeah. bad. Or bad, amazing. I don't know, but I loved it. I, I still watch it when it comes on TV. So I know this would work. If I seen a T100 going after a, a Predator, oh my God. Or a Facehugger going after like a T100. But the T100 is made out of flesh. So could it actually just Robot do- babies. <laughs> Robot alien babies. Robot alien babies. <laughs> oh gosh, who knows? Who knows? Good stuff, though, guys. Good, good, yeah, Chris, good. Are you going to see that movie? Are you going to see AVP versus Terminator? Oh, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, moving on. Bobby, what do you got for your number two, my friend? 
Number two, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get a little little crazy here, and I'm gonna tone it down. And <laughs> I have a uh, I have a tough question for you guys. All right. Because there was an article came out. Uh, the title of it is "Transgender Cyclist Wins Female Cycling World Championship." Claims only objections come from losers. So this biological man who presents himself as a woman won the Women's World Championship this past Saturday and set a Women's World record. And she's getting a lot of backlash over it. And, you know, there's there's both sides of the story of, you know, it's a man, but claims or uh, identifies as a woman. What are they allowed to do? There is, there is a very fine line. I, I don't know if there's a right or wrong, but I got. I want you guys to tell me what's right and what's wrong. Good Lord, this is you uh, toning it down? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing the heat. I'm bringing the heat. Hot takes uh, tonight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're about to make people very happy or angry. And without uh, saying any more, Ben, uh, I want your thoughts. Tell me what's right. Uh, all right, well... Working with people inside the transgender community and LGBTQ community, um, you are supposed to preach equality in yep. all walks of life. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, it was the whole bathroom situation. And, uh, you know, what I mean, like if you identify as that gender, you're allowed to use that bathroom. And, you know, unisex bathrooms were put into public restaurants and bars and facilities and everywhere. Uh, so this kind of, I believe, Bobby, is the last kind of mountain to climb for transgender people. And I think it's a very tough mountain to climb because for years, I mean, for upwards of 20 years, you know, early 2000s, um, there were plenty of females that tried to play football. I'm sitting here watching the Patriots kind of play the Jets right now. Uh, and um, there's been multiple women that have tried to break into the field uh, that have played. I mean, that have played high school, that have played. I think there was a college player, but have never played in the NFL. And so that is one of the hurdles. Annika Sorenstam went to go play on the PGA Tour. Right. Right. Um, Chris, Michelle Wee. Michelle Wee. I, I don't think we're there yet as far no. as sports. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not such a bicycling, bicyclist, <laughs> you know, enthusiast. So I don't know if the record will stand. Um, but, you know, for me, for the sports that I love, basketball, baseball, if a female or a, a, a transgender male, two female that transitioned to female went to the WNBA and started setting records – then we're talking about something that all of us have to start talking about equality in all of sports. Yeah. Chris, Chris, yeah. What do you think? Chris? What do you think? Well, I think it, I think it depends on a lot of things. I, 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 I am obviously one for equality, but when it comes to athletic competition and, and the transgendered community, it's, it's a, it's an interesting line to walk because I mean, from a, just a biological scientific standpoint, the, the, Muscle makeup of biological men and bio biological women is much different, which is why you're seeing a lot of this controversy when, you know, transgendered um, men who are transitioning to women go into sports like track and field, for instance, is another one that you're seeing a lot of this controversy. And because their muscles are developed differently and therefore in certain sports, they have 
you know, a, a <clears throat> distinct advantage, even though they might identify as a female, even though they might be on certain types of transitioning treatment and things like that. It's all, you know, it, it, it you still have a different makeup of, of mus muscles. So I understand the criticism. I think it, it has to come down to a, maybe a per organization, uh, per governing body rather than an entire sport, so to speak. I mean, maybe that's where or, you start. Or all sports in general, right? It should come down to per right. sport. Um, I, I don't, I mean, other than the position of kicker, I really don't see a female being able to play NFL level football just from a sheer body, like mass standpoint. I just don't see, I mean, even, you know, even if you take a, a larger woman who, you know, put her on the offensive line, I still don't think you could, you can do that. Um, I think sports like baseball and golf and tennis and and basketball are different because it's just a different type of sport so to speak where you don't it where you know you're you're not i guess you could say you're not having you know head to head you know combat so to speak with someone of your opposite gender in a way um I'm like you know like a female pitcher like that could happen and it has happened um oh, yeah. you know like you know we talked about uh you you, you mentioned Annika Sorenstam I mean you know it's we see women golfers all the time trying to do this on the PGA. So it's like, I think it really depends on the sport. I think it depends on the governing body. I'm all for it. I mean, if you get, I mean, I remember, you know, Ben, you and I go back to UConn and we know about Diana Tarazi who right. you know, was just bawling lights out. I mean, dominated women's basketball. And a lot of, at that time, people thought, well, if there was ever a player that could make the jump to the NBA, she was it, you know, back then. Or Rebecca um, Lobo too. Or Becca Lobo. I mean, right. you know, you're talking about a. I think she was like what six five. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, balling. You know, so I, I think we're we're not far off. I think it depends on. I think it depends on the sport. I think sports like football and and hockey. I don't think you're gonna ever see that. But um, soccer, maybe, definitely. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and there's there's a couple of sports like probably like weightlifting. Like I'm just thinking of the Olympics, mm. where you're talking about like upper body strength advantage. Where no matter what you do, it's gonna. Now, will it break down to some sort of transgender Olympics? I could see that actually happening. Mm. That actually might legit happen. Where it's a set, where it's a separate category. So you have the women's. Would they want to be separate? Probably not. But you'll have the women's world record, the men's world record, and the transgender world record. Mm. I could actually see that happening in the. I'm just thinking of the Olympics, where you have multiple sports governed by one body. Right. Right. You think you think transgender people would have to become more accepted before they make a rule in sports? Do you think that's part of it? Them being not accepted in, in society? I don't, just I don't a, think it's an acceptance thing. I think it's just a mere trying to figure out the logistics of of doing it. I think, you know, I always I joked um with some of my theater friends by saying like what would basically break most awards, you know, acting award shows is if you had a non-binary person be nominated for a non-binary role. Right. Because it's like, gender is out the window at that point. And, you know, it's like, what do you do? So I think that oh, similarly, great point. Great point. you know, in, in the Olympics, I mean, as people, you know, um, you know, you know, understand gender a lot more as, as more of a social construct, so to speak, you know, when it comes to sports and Olympics, Ben, you just nailed it. I mean, what do we do? What does someone do who is <clears throat> a non-binary track athlete uh, who doesn't, you know, conform to one gender or the other? Wh how do they compete? 
how do they right. compete? So yeah, and that's and that's crazy. Even like you're talking <clears throat> about, like even in the Tonys or Oscars or Emmys, where you have best you know uh, supporting actress or best supporting actor, if you have a non-binary uh, participant in acting, they're an actor no matter what. And so that would be really interesting. What award do they win? Who do they beat? That is such an interesting kind of topic, Chris. And how? And then you know what we're really talking about. And this is gonna be a hot take. Mm-hmm. What we're really talking about is people that will do it to unfairly win world records. Mm-hmm. Like imagine yeah. if I would just all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'm not a good basketball player, which is a lie. I'm a great basketball player, but <laughs> uh, imagine I'm a mediocre basketball player. And then all of a sudden I just go, you know what? I identify as a female and I'm going to try out for the WNBA now. Mm-hmm. And then I make the WNBA. And, but what's the rule there? Do I have to somehow prove that I'm actually trans to get into the WNBA? Do I have to fully transition? Do I have to be a woman for X amount of years before I can right. go to the WNBA? I think it's going to be organization to organization. Yeah. And again, I think in those situations, I mean, I think, you know, as, as I, I don't know how the, the, the science, you know, works, so to speak, but I think it has to come down to measuring, you know, I guess, estrogen versus testosterone in the, in the blood. I mean, there's gotta be a scientific mm-hmm. way to be able to do something like that. But I mean, that, that it, it really does open up a whole different things. Wow. Bobby, bring in, bring in the, <laughs> bring in the, the heat. Bring in the heat. Wow. This is, it's a good one. And, and, you know, like this is a discussion that I think is going to keep happening. So good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Wow. Ben, what's your number two, my man? Um, follow, my number two. Follow uh, that. Goes, I know. I got to follow that. Uh, so <laughs> I'm looking at my stories. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> Am I going to follow that? Um, but let's let's talk about some news. This was pretty big news to me. Uh, we've talked on this show about uh, the golden age of television, how we're in the platinum age, kind of how TV it just keeps – expanding what its possibilities are uh shows like barry in atlanta you know the way that we watch the content the way that we view shows non-episodically and season long um and one of the people that brought us into the golden age of television was kurt sutter maker of uh the shield and sons of anarchy most famously and this last week the 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 runner the the head of the Mayans MC show, Kurt Sutter, was fired on set by FX. Um, he and the new creators of the show that he actually was working with, um, he did not like the vision of the show, and he was escorted off set. He was going to retire after the season, but this was a, an abrupt thing. He didn't like how the creatives were steering the show. Um, and you have to remember that um Kurt Sutter Kurt Sutter uh was um he had the bastards executioner in between Sons of Anarchy and this show which didn't really do well at all um and he had a, a kind of miss there and uh, Mayans is a pretty good show but I don't know if I'm coming back for the second season um Chris is this big news to you? Uh, I've heard of Kurt Sutter being kind of lively offset. I mean, he's Otto from Sons of Anarchy, <laughs> the guy that bit off his own tongue. What, what are your thoughts on this story? <laughs> well, I remember, I mean, he had one of the better interviews with Howard Stern a couple of years ago. And actually him and he, I mean, he's married to Katie Seagal. So, right. I mean, kudos oh, yeah. to him for that, Egg. by the way. <clears throat> but um, 
this doesn't surprise me. I mean, he's he just he comes off as a very blunt um you know person and who's not going to I guess you could say play the 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 studio game so to speak. Uh so yeah, this this doesn't surprise me. I mean, from what I understand and he, I think he admitted himself. He's like, look, I was, I was a tremendous dick. Like that's just, you know, yeah, an not, abrasive dick is the quote. an abrasive dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but I don't think. I mean, from what everything I've heard, it other than being an abrasive dick to probably, you know, suits as they were. Um, nothing I've heard of him, you know, being, you know, racist or you know, harassment or anything like that. So, you know, it, if it's if it's, I, I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, I, I I'll be honest with you. I I haven't watched a lick of the Mayans. Uh, love Sons of Anarchy, but I just haven't really been getting into the Mayans, so I, I don't see it as like, oh God, like what are they going to do? Um, but yeah, it it doesn't surprise me. But it, I mean, as long as he's not, you know, <clears throat> I guess selling out or you know compromising who he is, yeah, fine, go go off and do do your thing. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I brought this story up is he is one of the first. Uh, he's one of the creators of the first show that I saw that like really struck me. I was like, Oh my God, TV can do different things. When I watched the first episode of the shield back in, I think it was November of 2001 senior year of college. I was like, what is this? This. You created it. Yeah. This thing I'm watching is not TV as I know it. You know what I mean? That like when Vic Mackey hits the screen and uh, you're just like, what is this character? What is this show? And, you know, by today's standards, it's probably a slow show. It probably hasn't aged well in a couple of ways. Um, but it is the beginning of a reimagining of what we can do with television. So mm. anytime that there is a network like FX, which is, of course, owned by Fox, that is going against one of the creatives of this, a, a creative that helped them guide them into this new age of TV, that's alarming to me. I don't know if that means that they are kind of trying to go back to family friendly or if they're being ultra conservative. I mean, but Mayans is a swear heavy kind of crazy gun fest. If you like Sons of Anarchy and you want you wanted more violence out of the whole thing, <laughs> you'll love Mayans. Um, so um, I don't know, Bobby, what do you think about the whole thing? Well, it's it's tough to ask me because I'm one of the few people that have never seen The Shield or sons, <laughs> or Mayans. I've heard good things. Yeah. I know your father looks like Michael Chiklis. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> so it's personal. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> uh, but I think I've heard stories of um, of Sutter yeah. and his, kind of his upbringing. Wasn't he a pretty wild person? Like he, like some of the stuff was based on what he did. Oh yeah. If you ever, if you have you ever seen him. I've seen, yeah, I've seen yeah. a picture of him. He's a, he's a biker dude. So yeah. if he wants something the way it should be, almost like how he lived it and he knows how it should be and the studio gets involved, then I could see how he would be upset. Now, if you got somebody like who was the first director of uh, the solo movie and you just did a shitty job at it and they had to fire you, then that's something else. But they, you know, he came back and they all was forgiven. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, he looks like he should be running the show. So it might have just been a little studio getting involved because, you know, one of our favorite shows, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, if they came in and told, you know, Charlie Day and, and, and the guys how to make the show, you know, I could see them leaving too because they know what they're doing. And I'm sure this Sutter knows what he's doing. Just There's a couple of movies coming to Netflix. Um, and I forgot what it was. I was reading about it today. It's going to be something big. Oh, uh, what's the director of uh, 
of 300? Zack Snyder? Zack Snyder. He's making a zombie movie with Dave Bautista. And it's coming out next winter. Cool. It's called like Day of Dead or something like that. But he said that the studio Netflix is not interfering at all. And he, he loves it. And he was kind of comparing it to uh, the Batman versus Superman movie and how that kind of got out of hand. So if, if he wants to leave, let him. If he wants to come back, give him what he wants. He knows what he's doing. He's got some criteria under his belt. Mm, definitely. Definitely. Interesting stuff. Good stuff. All right. So <clears throat> for my next second pick this week, um, gentlemen, South Park, South Park is back, folks. Um, South Park is back in a big way. Um, it's one of my favorite shows on television. Oh, yeah. And and um, it's it's one of those shows that it, it it's both shock value, pushing the envelope, offending everybody. So they're offending, you know, not one particular group over another, so to speak. Equal opportunity offensiveness. Uh, but this season is just... Here. Was that? That's what we support here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, this season has been, I, I think, incredible. Uh, if you haven't seen it, they're kind of taking on this whole uh, China censorship uh, theme. Uh, but it's it's been fantastic. And and I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on South Park. If you've seen some of the new episodes, um, just a reaction to them. Bobby, let me start with you. Oh, boy. Well, I don't have uh, cable, so I haven't watched South Park actually in years, but oh wow, I, I am sure that uh, you know anything that they're doing is great. I I love how they make a show based on stuff that's going on right now. I remember one of the last ones I watched is when they were coming out with the Washington Redskins logo, mm. uh, getting a lot of attention, and they had some uh, an episode on that. Uh, they have one of my favorite episodes I've ever watched on TV is when they turned into anime and started throwing Chinese uh, stars at each other and sticking it in each other's head and bringing them to vets. So that's they have some of my favorite TV episodes of all time. Uh, they're 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 smart. They're like the the Sutter of comedy, and you know I don't think they would do well if if one of them left each other. Uh, they make a great team, and I could see that going on for. For many more years. Exactly. I should start I, watching it more. You should. It's, you it, should. It is amazing. You should. Uh, ben, what do you think? Uh, well, so Chris, what is their take on the Chinese censorship? Well, this was this was the brilliant thing that they did. They basically criticized China for censoring things, like you know, and how <clears throat> basically a lot of American companies, film companies, are basically kowtowing to China because that's where they can make money. Um, they're like, you know, it's a country of what nine billion people and it's like we got to get some of that that chinese money um and ironically so they called out china for like censoring things and then the next week china like banned south park from the <laughs> yeah first of all i had no idea that, that it was even airing in china number one which i think is crazy but number two um i just thought it was hilarious that china basically proved south park right and we're like um, oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we're gonna themselves in the foot on that one like it's it's fantastic. So yeah, and then like last week, then like another episode, they took on the whole anti-vaccine um, situation, anti-vaxxers and and whatnot. And then uh, this past week, um, they're they're kind of talking about you know marijuana sales and stuff like that. It's it's just it's it's an on point season. I love. I don't know if you've ever seen. There's a documentary that came out where it's like two days to air or something like that, yeah. which basically shows. Yeah, you saw like how yeah, how quickly they could edit this thing. 
Um, so it's no surprise that they like can you know change these episodes at the last second to really match up with what the headlines are. But it's it's been fantastic. That's great. You know, the the one story that I I was going to pick, and sorry if you guys picked it this week was uh, the Tarantino thing where he refused to recut Once Upon a Time in the uh, Hollywood for China, and they banned the movie. Really? You guys saw that, right? No. Because so, of the Bruce Lee fiasco. Oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, were, yeah. They wanted him to recut it. The The Bruce Lee family wanted to recut it, and the Chinese government said, uh, we want you to recut it. He goes, no. And so they're not they're not showing the movie in any China cinema, period. And it's mm. a major loser for the movie, but he said, Yeah, that's guys. where they make a lot of their overseas money, of isn't course. it? Of course, and he said, no. Wow. And so that is an ongoing good for him. thing. Good I know, for him. good for him. Because, I mean, uh, you and me, Chris, we, we talked about this, and I think, uh, Bobby, we talked off air about um the the whole bruce lee see it's not a controversy (laughs) it really isn't it's a non-factor if anything sharon tate's family should be uh, up in arms or roman polanski's uh, and uh, that's kind of nonsense too but the movie has nothing to do i I don't know it's kind of a non-factor it misses the point of the movie if you're upset about that then you're not really watching the movie and so i don't know chris uh, what are your thoughts and that's such an interesting topic on the whole I'm I'm a, as you know I am like such here's this government that should be for the people uh you know a communistic government and whenever you censor the people uh the people will rise and riot yeah uh and we might be banned soon in China for saying something like that so uh Chris, good that means your, we've made it yeah what are your thoughts <laughs> I hope we get banned in China. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, actually, we do. I mean, ironically, this blog does get a nice, a nice audience from China, which I think is hilarious. We get about uh, ten thousand views per month. I actually looked this up, but I was like, if I start calling out China, like, what will the impact be? Um, but well, you know, I, like, I mean, I'm a registered, I'm a registered communist. As I just <laughs> want to put that out there. So oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so, but it's you know more of a. Uh, I don't know. It's a more of a uh, utopian communism. Oh, okay. The way it's supposed to be, right? <laughs> yeah, the way it's supposed to be. Not censoring Quinn Tarantino like Lord you know, of the Flies over there. My my thing with China is, you know, you you uh, you know, I I I you know, for someone who's obviously for human rights and things like that, they're they're terrible when it comes to this. Yeah. Um, they're they're air quality is terrible over there. Uh, I don't think the way that they've interpreted communism and ran their country has been the correct way of, to, of doing it. Um, and that's just how I feel. I also feel that like we, we've kind of made the bed that the United States relies on China so much for, for things um, that it, 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 we've, we've dug ourselves into a hole, so to speak, where, you know, a lot of these corporations and politicians and things like that will turn a blind eye to the the real problems in that country, blah, blah, blah. But right. um, yeah, it's just, it's just a messy situation. And I just wish that, you know, this country being America was uh, strong enough in everything from tech to manufacturing to, um, you know, national, you know, debt crisis and things like that, where we didn't need China because then, then we could tell them what we really think and tell them to go F off. That'll uh, never happen. And that'll never happen. Exactly. Way behind. I mean, we, like I said, we, we started making this bed in the eighties and 
it it hasn't it's it's only increased you know since then so unless we know. combine forces with a country to the north of us and get some of that sweet universal health care <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go so good stuff good stuff um all right bobby what's your number three this week my man yeah about my number three uh it starts with a question mm. to both of you do either of you have instagram I do. I we actually have an official uh, on stage blog Instagram. Absolutely. Oh, How many... uh, I I think I I think I do. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Chris, how many followers do you have on there? Just over eight thousand. Like eight thousand. Eight thousand. Yeah. Well, this it's might growing. be right up your alley then. <laughs> All right. Okay. Because I was at work today, and you know I don't do a whole lot while I'm there, so I got some free time. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to say that on there? <laughs> They know, they know. Uh, so I, I, I was thinking, and I, I was flipping through Instagram the other day, and you know all these people on there, and they're, you know, people like you and I, we would just go somewhere to see Suspiria, and we post a picture, you know. But you got people like the Kardashians and other people who, who make money at it, mm. and I was always curious how, and then how much. So I looked up. Um, kind of how they make it and how much they make it. And so I, I have the top 10 list Ooh. of Instagram. Uh, well, I, I'm going to call them what they like to be called influencers, oh. which I hate that term. It makes me sick. Oh, it's it's just, need. I'm an influencer. Like I, I, I can't give myself a title. So that's what I'm going to say. Uh, so who do you think is number one on Instagram and part B, how much, do you think they make per post? Per post. Per post. I'm gonna say it's it's Kylie Jenner, and I think she probably makes I would say at least at least a hundred thousand dollars per post. How many followers do you think? Per post. Per post. Yes. I think she's got. I think she's got thirty million. Okay, Ben, your guess. On the gram. Wait. All right. Can I can I cheat a little? The, the president, he does the Twitter. He doesn't do the gram. Twitter. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. So I would say it would be Donald Trump if he was on there. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's making side cash. Yeah, uh, I'm go- <laughs> he's making side <laughs> cash with our country. Uh, I'm going to go um, – Kylie Jenner, oh, that's really good. Um, Here's a clue. It's yeah. not a Jenner or Kardashian. Oh. Whoa, okay. Because uh, screw them. <laughs> Just thought I'd say that, sorry. Case they're listening uh you know what i hope it's like uh who's the who's the shake it off chick who's that oh taylor swift taylor swift i'm gonna say uh two hundred thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> is that a good guess no it's terrible <laughs> no that was actually probably would have been mine oh very close though another female singer selena gomez oh that was pretty close take a guess how many followers Chris, how many followers? I'm going to say she's definitely, I think she has the record. I think she's like up to like 120, I think. 120 million? I'm going to go with that because it's 122 million followers. Whoa! Good Lord. And per post, she makes $424,000. Per post. Per post. How many posts a day? See, there's a couple of rules oh, that go along with this. I don't know. All See, right. I didn't either. Good thing you have me here. Yeah. So the stories or oh, whatever oh. their <laughs> whatever their 
posing with, like a necklace or shoes or a car or something, it has to stay on their page anywhere from three to six months. Oh. Okay. And another rule is you cannot put another company on your page for another three to six months based on your negotiations. So if she's with Adidas and poses with some shoes, she's got to keep it on her page for like six months and not put anything else up there. Jeez. And for that, anywhere from one to eight pictures, the slideshow is close to a half a million dollars. So she's going to be like a billionaire. Probably already is. Probably already is. She owns us. Because three to six months is nothing. Mm-hmm. And she's been famous for a minute now. Yeah. And so like in five years, she'll be a billionaire. Pretty much what you're saying. Yes. Wow. I'm actually, I'm looking at her, her Instagram right now. Uh, it's, she's actually up to 157 million followers. Oh. Um, she's only following 62 people. Um, oh, wow. And we're one of them. Wow. Great. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> when did that oh, be she's, only, she's only at 60 mil. She's only at 60 mil right now, but she's only 26. <laughs> oh, that's how much she's worth? Yeah. Or made this year? Net worth. Net worth. But oh, I'm wow. looking at, I'm looking at some of her posts that, that you're kind of referring to about the goods and service, you know, things that she does. And they're so, um, what's the word? Not nonchalant, but they're so, I guess you could say ambiguous that you would never know she's actually advertising a certain product on, you know, unless she's mentioning it in her like status. So like I'm looking at a picture of her just sitting with literally a purse on her lap. Um, and, but in the comment, it says like, you know, coach, coach combo, butter biker jacket and butterfly parker bag, hashtag coach NY. So like, it's yeah. obviously a thing for coach. Um, so it's not like she, it's, it's weird how she's not like, it doesn't look like she's necessarily, you know, shilling out too bad for these products. But at the same time, it's like, I can't even imagine how much coach coach post paid her to do that post. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. Uh, and that's just something that they take a couple pictures of. And then it, you know, it's instant cash. Then you go work Ugh. on your movie or something. Does Life goals. Uh, Spring Breakers. Spring Breakers? Yeah, well, one movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, she puts out the occasional yeah. album, I guess. I've seen, like... I've seen her on the Jimmy Fallon, and that's it. <laughs> well, she's an influencer. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> See, that's why Instagram is terrible. I'm all, glad you don't have one. All I know is I watched Atlanta, right? And there's an episode where Paperboy goes to get his hair cut. And he hangs out with an influencer the whole time, and mm. she's the most annoying person ever. Oh yeah, and he just dates her because to get Paperboy more hits, and it just seems like a racket. It's just... well, that's why there's four Kardashians and two Jenners on the oh, top ten that's list. Terrible. That's why. That's why Barbara Walters said it best: is you don't sing, you don't dance, you don't have really any talent at all, and you got famous for making a sex tape. <laughs> God bless her soul. God bless her. God bless her. I mean, we like I said, we've got eight thousand followers on our Instagram account. Um, I I honestly use it just to post funny pictures. Um, I I I don't try to push products. I don't try to do anything like you know. I don't try to promote anything other than what's being posted on the blog and stuff like that. But um, I did get invited to a couple of events, uh, in New York City, uh, for. <laughs> Theater influencers, and I wanted to throw up because it's it's <laughs> it's something I never sought out to be. I don't consider myself one. I mean, even though our onstage blog, I mean, here's a good here's a good statistic for you. Yeah. You know, and I showed Ben this when I saw him the other day. Um, when we put out a Facebook post, so when we put a post on Facebook, uh, it's getting beamed out to about five million people at the same time. Like that's how many people 
we can reach with a single Facebook post, which is unreal to think about. Um, so, but and it's it's but how we choose to do that is a you know a very careful game. So again, I don't I never want to sound like I'm you know pushing a product or something like that. But yeah, if anybody refers to me as an influencer, please don't. It's <laughs> you influence me, Chris. Well, there you go. I mean, and Ben influences me too, but he influences me to drink. <laughs> I'm like a bad influence. Like I was about to say, <laughs> I like to be under the influence every now and then, but like you know, it's not. Uh, hey, wait, hey, Chris, can I make a suggestion for the please? I've I've please. never made a suggestion before. Can we become an influencer of Nicolas Cage movies? <laughs> Can we get a hold of it. people or himself <laughs> and just say we'll promote Primal coming out next year? <laughs> like even it. before, like you know how they got the the stupid uh, certified fresh thing? We'll just do certified fresh on stage blog even before we see the movie Primal starring Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah, <laughs> six out of five stars. <laughs> Considering we'll be the only three that go see it twice. I guess I am fine with whatever promotion we want to do with Nicolas Cage at all. I I I'd be on all, all of them. Yeah. So I'm definitely that. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Ben, what's your number three, my man? All right, my number three. I got a couple. You know, I I was good. We're hitting like hard this week, so I don't want to yeah. you know uh, go crazy as as far as like a, a weak story. But I just want to mention really quick. I'm gonna sneak one in. For my like three and a half, Joey Chestnut, he downs twenty eight pounds of poutine to set the new world record. I just oh. want to put that out there. Um, and we had uh, cheesy beef stroganoff last night with football, and we we're gonna throw up everywhere. So imagine eating twenty eight pounds of poutine. Look at his face. Oh my He's just, god, he looks great. He looks happy. <laughs> what is? I gotta look this up. What is poutine? Oh, Chris. Well, you're not from up here. Uh, it's uh, fries covered in cheese curds and gravy. Oh my god, that's what your doctor ordered. <laughs> 28 pounds of it. But as long as you have a Diet Coke, it works. Oh, I'm looking at the pictures of it. Oh, good Lord. 28 pounds of that? Oh. oh, it's great, Chris. Oh, you never had poutine? Oh, it's great. Um, But, Chris, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Jose Altuve sends the Astros to the World Series with a walk-off bomb against Alroldis Chapman of the Yankees. <laughs> Chris, how happy did that make you the other night? I got to tell you. Um, I, I said this on Facebook. I said, look, it, it, you know, I've been very blessed to see four Red Sox world championships in my lifetime. Uh, a close second of, of those good feelings is watching the Yankees lose in a, in a, in the playoffs. You got um, two Red Sox fans here. Oh yeah. Especially, especially oh, I, I, Ben as, as Red Sox fans, the poetic justice of watching the Yankees, uh, an Aaron Boone led team lose on a walk-off in the ALCS uh, is just sweet, sweet poetry. Somewhere, somewhere Tim Wakefield is smiling uh, down. I, I, it's it, like I said, it's the next best thing to the Red Sox win the world series. So if they, if they don't make the playoffs, as long as the Yankees lose in heartbreaking fashion, I am absolutely okay with it. And Ben, I found out this phenomenal statistic what, what, that, what? that only you and I would really truly appreciate. Um, so the, the Yankees have not um, appeared in a world series in the past decade. Oh. That is the and this is the first decade in the past 100 years that that has actually happened. Yes. <laughs> Every single decade. <laughs> for the past 100 years the Yankees have appeared in at least one World wow. Series except from 09 to 2019 and I can't I'm ecstatic. <laughs> when did Jeter leave? <laughs> I think what was that 2015 2016? 
2017, maybe? I think it's been like, what, three years? Since That's he... when Jeter retired? I think so, yeah. 20, 2016, 2017, I think, yeah. Wow. I could have sworn <laughs> it was a long time ago. Because I remember he got know, like a home run or something in his, in his final last bat. game. Yeah, yeah, I think his final bat was a, a yeah. home run. Um, okay. Wow. I, you know, okay. as for someone who yeah, has to live... Yeah. So for someone actually to live through the 96 through 2000 Yankees uh, and with all my friends being insufferable Yankee fans, this is just, I, I feel like I don't deserve this. And I wish I was a Patriots fan because then I could probably take part in the, the, the you know, the, the gleefulness. Or are you, of, are you a Boston fan, but not a cheaters fan? Uh, <laughs> well, the story, the quick story is that, is that I was always an NFL fan without really a team to call my own. And when I said, you know what, I need to have a team. Um, I picked a team that I felt uh, had not won in a long time. So this way, no one could accuse me of being bandwagon. So I picked the Jets. And it's oh, been Jesus. a uh, – it's been – well, the first year I picked them as my team, it was great because they went to the AFC Championship and then they went the following year. So it's like, man, I, I what a great, great time. And then it's just been – Sanchez? That was the Sanchez era yeah. uh, back in I think it was like 08, 09. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's been just a downhill – uh, terribleness ever since. Well, but I, every time I see the Jets, I think of that uh, that Adam Sandler movie where he's uh, the the father of the blonde kid. <laughs> and the blonde kid always says, "The goddamn Jets." <laughs> <laughs> Love it, but yes, Ben. There's I no mean, better fitting meme in the world than the goddamn Jets. <laughs> the goddamn Jets. Um, it's and that's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, Ben, I'm I'm I I loved it. How did you feel? Oh my God! It, it, I, I was out. Who was I out with? Oh, I was. Well, I went out for one of the games on Thursday night when the Yankees won and they were up. But then on Friday, they won again, so they forced the game and then they lost. It was so great. So I was actually watching quite a bit, like offhand, but just in walk-off fashion, just makes <laughs> me feel so good. Yeah. And. You know, we've had people walk off against uh, Chapman before. You know, uh, the guy is one of the fastest pitchers yeah. in all of baseball history. Didn't he set a record? Yeah, 105. Yeah. And just out of control. Well, guess so, he didn't get to that fast. And <laughs> and it's just the fastball in baseball is one of the hardest things to do as an athlete, period. And for someone to walk off the fastest hardball in baseball history hmm. – Oh my God, Chris! It just—I—I I don't know. There is no joy that I can describe. <laughs> You've done it quite well. Yeah, baby. Bobby, what'd you think of it? Um, well, not to rain on your parade, but yeah, didn't they make it further than the Red Sox this year? Huh? Huh? <laughs> listen, listen, <laughs> listen, listen. Here's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Red Sox. I—I I, I look at it as I—I'm—I am someone that always gives a five-year grace period. To my teams whenever they win a championship. So, literally, like in <laughs> five year three, hangover, right? In three years, if the Red Sox haven't won a World Series yet, I'll start getting a little frustrated. But until then, I'm 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 cool. I'm good. <laughs> they need a break. They needed a break. They just you know it was a long season. You know, you, you, when you played in November, you know the previous year, it's a long year. So you, know, <laughs> you need a break sometimes. Wins made it to the playoffs this year, Ahol. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, they got bounced first round by the Yankees, oh. but. <laughs> We were there. I wasn't watching. We were a contender. <laughs> yeah, I weren't watching. I blinked and they lost. 
Oh, I love it. All right. All right. So for my last one, um, this was an interesting story because it, it technically is nine years old, but it, it, this is why I love Twitter because they can take things that are old, throw them up there. And then if they catch viralness, it feels like it's a brand new discussion. But, um, back into the, yeah, back in 2010, um, Rolling Stone released their list for the greatest, what they felt were the top 100 singers of all time, which I mean, okay. Um, okay. And someone uh, today, Classic Rock and Picks, the Twitter account, uh, posted the list today on their Twitter account just saying, hey, this is this was the list that they did, you know, created back in you know nine years ago. What do you guys think? And it just caught fire because everybody, you know, because now we're nine years later. And you know we're living in this you know universe where Twitter reaction rules. Uh, people are just up in arms about <laughs> this list that's nine years old. But anyway, um, I just want to kind of rattle off the top five to you guys, or top ten. Let's do top ten. And I just wanted your thoughts on on your reaction to them. So, greatest um, singers, top ten of all time. Greatest right. singers of all time, according to Rolling Stone magazine. Number ten, James Brown. Ashley Simpson. I, oh, gosh, I wish. Um, <laughs> James Brown came at number ten. Okay. Uh, singer, huh? Yeah, I don't. He wasn't really a singer. No, it was more of a influencer. Like a... <laughs> you guys hey. are crazy. James Brown is great. You guys are crazy. <laughs> I mean, entertainer, absolutely. Singer. Well, I... Then you try to sing like that, Chris. Hey. Yeah. Just <laughs> did. Just did. No. I mean. When you've got him at number 10 and Johnny Cash at number 21, I don't know. It's weird. Oh, I, 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 wow. Whoa. Yeah. Um, number nine, Hashtag Stevie Wonder. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number nine, Stevie Wonder. Uh, okay. In, All right. Okay. I see that. Number eight, Otis Redding. Okay. How many songs right. did he have? Hey, when does Pavarotti come on the list? <laughs> uh, Pavarotti is nowhere on this list. Uh, how about Mike Patton? <laughs> uh, no more. No, nowhere on this list. And oh. where is Old Dirty Bastard? Yeah, N- nowhere on this list. Yet right. Christina, yet Christina Aguilera is at number fifty-eight. So wait, Ben, take a guess at number one before we even get there. Yeah, before we get there, I mean Mike Patton is my favorite singer <laughs> of all time. Uh, I'm gonna go. Well, I'm singing right next to my record collection. Uh, I'm gonna mm. go. Wait, Johnny Cash is not number one. Johnny Cash is number twenty-one. Because oh I have two that come to mind, but I'm all right. Well, let, let's let's change the question. Who do you think comes in number one for both of you? Well, that's I can't even think now. This list is kind of garbage. Uh, <laughs> Hence, why I think it's going viral today. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I have a tie. I'll give you my two. All right, good. Between um, Mariah Carey or. Or uh, Whitney Houston. So wait, is so, this pop music? Is this new it's, music? It's across multi- multiple multiple genres. So singer, um, like, so Pavarotti's not on the list. Pavarotti's like, not opera, on the list. Like, is there any opera singers on the list? No. The closest would probably be Bjork, and she's at 60. Bjork oh, is at 60. God. That was, like, my pick. Um, um, no, okay, so you said Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston. So Mariah Carey came in at 79. Oh, my God. And Whitney Houston came in at 34. 
We don't even need to go any further. This list is preposterous. Where's Nick Cannon at? One oh one, just missed the list. <laughs> Nick Cannon with the bullet. Uh, uh, Van, I'm who do you think? Given, given. Here we go. Get in the top fifty. I'll be impressed. I'm gonna, yeah, I know. For me, I'm going to go. Well, it's, it's just a crapshoot now. I'm going to go with my favorite singers. I'm going to go Gordon Lightfoot, <laughs> Neil Young. <laughs> uh, Gordon. Gordon Lightfoot, not even on the list. Damn oh, it. Jesus. Uh, Neil, Neil Young, 37. Hey! I listened to him on the way here. Did you just bet me? <laughs> so th- yeah. 36, 37, and 38 is Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young, and Elton John. Um, all right, so number one is Aretha Franklin. That you put number one as Aretha Franklin. Number two, Ray Charles. Number three, Elvis Presley. Number four, Sam Cooke. Number five, John Lennon. Other notables? On this list that are just ranked in very Paul weird. McCartney. <laughs> uh, Paul McCartney is nowhere on this list. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. 100. I'm sorry, Paul. Paul McCartney. I apologize. Pa- Paul McCartney is number eleven. Oh, I was gonna say oh. number right. eleven. Um, he is uh, pop music. I'd like to hear the criteria century. for this. Yeah, I, I have no pop. idea the criteria because be it's. Again, you've got you've got people just all. I mean, Joe Cocker is at number ninety-seven. And by the way, I love this list because they censored Cocker, like the cock and his name. So it's Corker. Joe. It's Joe asterisk 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 er. Where's uh Where's uh freaking Daryl Hall? Uh, no one on this list. Damn. How about Freddie Mercury? Freddie Mercury's at number eighteen, right ahead of Bob Marley and behind Tina Turner. Bob Marley. The guy just played the guitar and he mumbled some words. <laughs> he just had an accent. Uh, let's oh, see. Mike, other notables: Michael Jackson, number twenty-five. Uh, Prince at number thirty. Uh, Bono at thirty-two. Um, Joni Mitchell, forty-two. Forty-two. Uh, Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Joni Mitchell. Hmm. Uh, Patty Labelle, ninety-five. How does that Stephen Stills? Where's Stephen Stills? Uh, no one on this list. What David Crosby? <laughs> Uh, nobody nowhere on this list. Oh all, right, all right, Chris, we're gonna make our own top 100. All right, you go number 100. <laughs> we'll go down the list. Yeah, gonna, okay. Curtis Mayfield is Curtis Mayfield on the list? Yes, number 40. <gasps> he's he's right ahead of Chuck Berry and right behind Jeff Buckley. Okay, hmm. all right, 40. All right, I can get behind that. How about um, how about uh, Peter Wolf of the Jay Giles band? <laughs> <laughs> or, or or Mick Jagger. Uh, Mick Jagger is uh, he was high. He was sixteen. He was this, right ahead of Tina be, Turner. This got to be mainstream music of the twentieth century. It's he was right be. ahead of uh, Tina Turner and right behind Robert Plant. Wait, he's behind. Oh, okay, Robert Plant. Uh, all right. Yeah, I'd have to hear the criteria for this. But see, I don't understand. This is why these lists are so dumb with Rolling Stone because. How do you compare Mick Jagger to Tina Turner? How do you compare Freddie Mercury to Bob Marley? And like, it doesn't make sense. So they said Mick Jagger was 16? Mick Jagger was 16 and Freddie Mercury was 16. And this was from the Rolling Stone magazine. Rolling Stone magazine list of top 100 So the magazine that named themselves after one of their favorite bands didn't even give them top 10. Nope. (laughs) All right, that, that gives me enough. They don't know what they're talking about. No, I mean it. Just it, I mean, Bjork at sixty, like, okay. There's like Tom a, Tom York at sixty six. Oh, there's like lacking of female singers too. How about um? Talk about she number one. 
Steve Perry, oh, 76. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sly Stone, 76. Um, I mean, you, you Karen Carpenter at 94. Where's uh, Jovi on this list? Who? Bon Jovi. Oh, Bon Jovi. Uh, nowhere on this list. He's got like a five octave range. Wow. I mean, I'm not like the biggest Joey fan, but the guy has pipes. I mean, but how? But Howlin' Wolf is at 31, so you know there you go. Dion at Ax- Axel Rose at 64. Really? Oh my God! Have you ever seen the uh, the tribute to Freddie Mercury with the Axel Rose? It's out of control. <laughs> out of control. I know this is a weird list. Uh, anyway, it's making rounds again. This is why I love Twitter, and clearly. We got sucked into it because we're at the same time. We're like, what? What, what are they talking about here? It's ridiculous. Wait, so, is, is Twitter worth having? Speaking of influencing and apps, no, I've never had it. Because if it comes out with lists like this, I would delete it. Delete it in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Oh my gosh. Control Alt Delete. Love it. All right, boys, let's do this. Let's get. Let's go YouTubing. YouTubing, baby. Who wants to go all first? Right. Bobby, Ben, Ben. I want you to go first. All right. All right. All right. Um, you know what? Slow YouTube week. I'm just gonna put it out there. Correct. Um, That's why I want you to go first. But the one video that that really fascinated me that I have to break down. Um, GQ has these great videos where people mm. break down their like um, their careers yep. or something like that, right? So usually it's a performer like Alec Baldwin did one. Um, and there's other actors, mostly mainly actors that do it. This one was really interesting. David Copperfield breaks down his Almost most iconic illusions. I didn't want to know. Um, and they show clips from the illusions. Uh, so the reason why this is kind of near and dear to my heart is my great-grandmother, Eleanor Swintusky, she would VHA, VHS tape everything and had it just like this warehouse of VHS off of cable. And I watched – With David the commercials? Co- with commercials. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Would I, maybe I have a couple of them. I want to um, watch them. Uh, David Copperfield uh, making the Statue of Liberty disappear, and then I think she had the explosion one. She had all of them on VHS. Oh, nice! And yeah, it was kind of awesome. Got me into magic. Got me into the whole thing. That's why I love that. Um, I think I've talked about it on this YouTube. Um, talked about uh, what's the Penn and Teller show? Fool us! Fool us! A great oh, show. Watch most of those and all the clips on YouTube are. Excellent. All those magicians are great. I'm just such a sucker for all that stuff. Um, the But while I'm watching this, uh, it is hard for me to not think of the controversies around David Copperfield recently. And I didn't uh, I didn't have time the other night to Google what happened with all that. Uh, what's the deal with all that? Did he... Isn't it sexual? Yeah, Chris, what's the deal with David Copperfield and the sexual assault allegations? You know, honestly, I haven't really looked into it. Um, because he's on this thing, it's candid, it just came out last week, and it just seemed like everything is cool. I know, like, one of the people, he was like, I don't know who these people are, I don't know what's going on, and one of the cases got dismissed. Um, that's what made it, and, and unfortunately, if, if the guy is totally, like, exonerated, then... Rock and roll. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just fascinating going through this guy's career. Who's it's been spanning since the late seventies. I feel bad if these people are just kind of money grabbing kind of people, but I don't know the state of it. But I, I couldn't take my eyes off this. You need to YouTube this, and they show mm-hmm. clips of these crazy stunts. And this is pre Jackass, of course. This is pre Internet, 
And he talks about how, you know, back in the 80s, they had, you're watching something that was filmed a couple months before. And so no matter what, it he did it. You know what I mean? So he made the illusion happen. But then he broke down, like, why this stunt was so dangerous. And so he did this uh, thing over Niagara Falls. I'm not going to spoil it. And it's so hairy. And the stuntman that they were hired to practice before he got on, uh, he refused to do it. And he was the only one to do it. Like, so at the uh, one of the last parts of the, the illusion is him holding onto a ladder, flying a helicopter, like, near the falls. And he mm. said he could feel the spray of the falls, <laughs> like, right next to his face. And the stuntman refused to do it because there was no out. There was no net or, mm. like... Uh, it is wild. So, so he it was really too dangerous for the stuntman to do it. So Copperfield did it. Yeah, he had to practice his own. Like the stuntman was like, "I'm not practicing." He is this the for Jackie you. Chan of the yeah. magician world. Yeah, pretty crazy. Chris, what do you think of all that? What do you think of that YouTube clip? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Like. <sighs> am I watching that because of the controversy, or wh- why am I watching that? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I gotta. Wa- I guess I gotta watch it myself to try to, try to come up with a, a better answer for you. Yeah, I mean, I gotta. Yeah, dude, yeah. But anyway, it's YouTube, and I don't know why we're getting into discussions. <laughs> but that's what I watched this week. So check it out. Good do stuff, you think, man. Do you think his uh, disappearance of the Statue of Liberty was the top uh, magic trick of all time, or top three? He he talks about he's won like. A, a, like a ton of Emmys for all of his things. So like you have to imagine this is like 1983. This is a different time. And so I I don't know. And they show the illusion. It still looks legit. And they have witnesses right around. Yeah, I've seen the clip. It, it's pretty wild, dude. It, it's I still don't know what's going on. It's just, <laughs> yeah. That's why I don't want to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think like Houdini... In my small mind, anyways, I think Houdini and then David Copperfield and then, you know, newer uh, when I was growing up, it was uh, David Blaine. David Blaine. So those are the top three in, in my book. I mean, sure, there's there's some in the what's that place in Hollywood is the magician's house or something where all the right. famous magicians get together and work out tricks. Right. That would be a fucking place to go That'd to. That'd be a trip. Yeah. Like David Blaine. I remember. And, and that's an other that's another YouTube thing to do. All the David Blaine tricks on YouTube are, are just... Oh, yeah. Watched a couple times. Oh, my God. The the hook down the throat with the ring is just epic. Yeah. I've seen him cut a fruit open, and there's a card in there. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, Chris, what do you got for YouTube? Good stuff. Um, Really quick. Nothing um, too crazy. I mean, I, I kind of just found this one, not by searching. just happened upon it. Um, Last week, guys, was the... <laughs> The North American Wife Carrying Championship in Maine. I don't know if you guys <laughs> knew this. This is a big, <laughs> big sporting event that happens every year in Maine. Um, but literally, it's it's where men will carry their wives um, across an obstacle course, and uh, you know, basically, fastest time wins. That's pretty straight up. Uh, this year, forty four couples uh, were competed. Uh, the winners were Olivia and Jerome Rome from. Uh, Delaware, who dubbed themselves as Team Lovebirds, and they actually the, the obstacle course is 278 yards long. 
uh, and they finished it in 55.95 seconds. Um, the prize is actually pretty sweet. I won't lie. Pack. Close. <laughs> Close. 60, six cases of beer. I knew it was alcohol. Cases. All right. Six cases of beer. And um, the winner gets five times the amount of however much your Wait. wife weighs. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, and of course, you know, when you do that, everybody knows your weight. So Olivia weighs 111 pounds. So they won $555. Oh. So not a bad haul for, you know, less than a minute's work, I guess you could say. So, but anyway, uh, I bring this up because you can actually watch the race on YouTube. Um, right. It's called For Beer, Cash, and Bragging Rights, the 2019 Wife Carrying Championship. You can actually watch Maine, the entire, man. The, in Maine. Maine. I wonder um, if there are some divorces that happened after that. This is, I mean, and I'm watching, I, I the, the, the obstacle course is no joke. I mean, they, they go through like a mud pit. There's uh, like a hurdle type thing. I mean, I mean, imagine trying to do hurdles with your wife. You know, on your back, supposedly. I mean, it just it looks it just looks it just looks. She's painful. always on his back. I'm sure. Always on his back. Um, it no surprising. All three couples that were first, second, and third, very large guys with very small wives. I mean, the wives, oh. you know. So maybe that's the advantage. Like, if you're a big, burly guy, if you really truly want to compete in this, um, I could just see now coming home, babe. You got to lose thirty pounds. It's for a race. It's for, it's for a race. race. Um, I mean, it, it seems like if your if your wife is underneath, you know, five foot, you know, two here, you're, and you're above six feet, then you you've got a pretty good chance of winning this thing. So, nice. there you go. There you go, Bobby. What's your YouTube in this week? I have. Uh, are we doing one or two? Do anything as many as you want. Oh, all right. Well, the first one I like is. I hope you guys have heard of him. You, his name is Bob Mennery. No, Ben, no. Chris? Nope, nope. Oh, so he is this guy that he, he comes over these mostly sports clips. He was famous for doing ESPN sports clips, uh, and he would say what commentators really want to say. So if he was watching this game right now between the Patriots and this uh, – local high school team they he, he would he would bust on the jets uh in the most worst way and what he's famous for is he calls these guys oh what does he call them like uh sorry for the language but he calls them oh the shit bag titty fuck of the week <laughs> <laughs> so he'll give play by play Brady drops back, dishes it off to White, and he runs 90 yards. Jets, you are the tit-bag shitty fuck of the week. <laughs> so he's probably got 40 videos up, and he comes out like every week. So he used to do it for ESPN clips, and then ESPN came out and said, hey, you can't use our clips. So he does like golf and high school oh, yeah, and and any any type of video he'll do. But my God, if you watch them, they're all like the best of like the best of the week and they're all uh six seven minutes but i guarantee you can't get through a minute without laughing pretty hard at one point bob good stuff Fenner. i gotta check that out yeah bob all right i have to check that out Is good stuff like, goes the dynamite guy? <laughs> oh he he sounds like he's straight from a broadcasting class that's that's like chris a jets fan for life and he's just tired of life and liking these guys <laughs> I can I can empathize. I, I I know where he's coming from. 
There you go. There you go. Um, good stuff, guys. This was a good one. Yeah, baby. <laughs> good stuff. Bobby, thank you as always for coming on this podcast. Uh you're you're welcome. I mean, <laughs> Ben never really invites me over. If anybody's listening right now, Ben and I are about eight inches apart sharing the same microphone. <laughs> It's it's like straight from Step Brothers. We're sitting on the same chair wearing oh, tuxedos here. You know, guy didn't check if he had a USB microphone until eight minutes before air. That's that's your job to check in on me. That's on you. You yeah. shitbag titty fuck, Ben. Oh my god. <laughs> but thanks for inviting me. This is always fun. Love it. Love it. Uh Ben, real quick, anything you want to plug coming up? No, just uh, get out to your local theaters, watch old school movies with live bands. It is going on in central New York. I just want to plug um, After Dark Presents. I, I met the one of the kind of promoters of it. Uh, I think he's part of our region. I think they do Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, and uh, they're great promoters. I also they did met Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, they just did Napoleon Dynamite and the Evil Dead original mm. uh, print at the Palace. Uh, they're doing the Beyond November 22nd, and um, we actually know the promoter for the Rome Capital Cinema, too, and he's a great guy, too. And so they, they have a lot of events, so just get out to your local cinema. They're trying to make things happen uh, and get butts in the seats in these theaters. And you know what? To be frank, new movies aren't that good, and older <laughs> movies are better. So get out there, educate your kids. Show your kids Big Trouble in Little China and get them into the theaters. Chris, what do you got going on? Good stuff as always. Uh, nothing much. I mean, like I said, we're, we're still plugging away on the blog, trying to put you know, new content every single day, so keep checking that out. Um, yeah, nothing much, much going on until pretty much February, so just hey, keep hey, watching. Chris, wait, wait, wait. Do you, got, um, do you have an engagement for Broadway Con yet? Are, you, are they asking you yet? Nothing official just as of yet. We're still kind of in this holding phase, so to speak. Basically, they've told me to block off the dates. So, I mean, we're, we're going to be doing something there regardless. Um, it's just a matter of, of what exactly. But, I mean, I will be there in one capacity or another. Excellent. Awesome, Chris. So, yeah, we'll definitely be doing some live stuff from there. So, um, good stuff, folks. Well, thanks, as always, for joining us. Um, you can find this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network, uh, where we currently have almost 12 running podcasts as we speak. Uh, these podcasts can also be heard on such networks as Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, pretty much everywhere that you can find podcasts. So uh, definitely check this out and definitely give us a rating so it helps our algorithms and all that fun stuff too. So uh, gentlemen, thank you so much as always. A good day. All right. We'll see <laughs> you next week. Toodles. I love it.